Hey, you're listening to the RFWP Podcast with your host, Lois McNair and Emily Lewis, where you'll find candid conversations, transparent faith, encouragement, the occasional sarcasm, and a whole lot of grace as they share their walk with Jesus. Here's today's episode. Hi there, friend. Welcome to this week's episode of the RFWP. This is such a special episode because Lois and I got to record this live with an audience, uh, with some of you at the RFP fam Midwest meetup. Before we get into the meat of today's episode, which is just so good, and we had so much fun along the way too, of course. We are on YouTube now. You can watch the episodes as well, which is especially fun for this episode uh, that was recorded live and in person. So make sure to run over to our YouTube channel, subscribe, and check this out on video too. As you listen in to the audio version, I'm sure you'll be able to notice that we were in a large room and the there's a little bit of an echo. The sound quality is a little bit different. Just know that is why it sounds a little different because we recorded it live. Enjoy today's episode. I hope you enjoy the video as well. Welcome to the RFWP where we are seeking truth and finding God's heart. I'm your host, Emily Lewis, with my co-host, Lois McNair. Hi, guys. Hi. I am so excited to be here, but it kind of cracks me up that we're in Bourbon, Missouri, recording a podcast. Yeah, and I can't believe that we overcame so many obstacles to get here. (laughs) Don't even start. Okay, all right, so you guys, I had to work this week um, and do some stuff, and they scheduled it right on top of the meet. So I had to fly into St. Louis last night, and my plane didn't get in until like 11.15, and Emily drove like a wild woman. To that get car me. is fun. I'm telling y'all, like she's like, here, watch, see what. It can. <laughs> <laughs> I did too. Like we went zero to ninety-five in five seconds. She's used to driving in Montana. I hit the brakes. After that, slowed down. Okay. Then we stopped at a sketchy gas station and got snacks because nobody was over. Dramatic. Okay. It was not That's sketchy. But we're so excited. So we got here. Like 110? Was it 115? It was 110. I don't know. We, I didn't text Nathan at 1 o'clock in the morning, but. I called Nathan at 1 o'clock in the morning. Sorry, Carrie. That's what he said. (laughs) And he, the reason we called him is we were locked out. So we're locked out of the gate. It was shut. Called Nathan. It seemed like a big ordeal because who has their phone on at 1 o'clock? Well, Nathan did, but he didn't have means to let us in. And I said, forget it, Nathan, we got this. Wait, 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 wait. I literally crawled underneath the gate first to see if I could get the the thing to trip. trip. And it would trip, (laughs) but the gate wouldn't open. No. So it would click, it would go, I see you, but I ain't opening the door for you. So we did not want to haul all our luggage up. (laughs) So we pulled out the essentials Parked the car, crawled ourselves under the fence. We did. The gate. Yeah. And walked ourselves in. We we did. 
and I learned from experience of having tried to get in there earlier that there's a part of the gate, just in case this happens to you guys tonight, okay? <laughs> don't go on I a just, snack run. Yeah, don't go on a snack Not run after, after a certain amount of time. So there's a part of the pavement that goes down like this. So if there's a need to roll, I just have to tell you that this side of the gate has more room that you can get underneath <laughs> because I tried to roll under this side and I got stuck halfway through. So I just I'm surprised that we didn't wake any of you guys up because literally we were cracking up. And then I said to Emily, I said, "Where's our Where's our room?" She goes, "Let's look right there where the light is." We get close to the light. She goes, "Well, maybe it's not there." It's like the pump house or the canal. Yeah. So that was fun. But we um, made it. We're here. We did. So. One of the things that we'd love to do, and if you've been in the RFP fam, you've seen Melinda Wright jump in there and, and talk about micro joys. And so what we want to do for our open mic minute is we want to hear some of your micro joys. Do you know what a micro joy is? Or am I? Yes? No? Yay! Okay. So for example, my micro joy today was the fact that I got to breakfast. And I don't know what they call them in in Missouri, but where I grew up originally in Chicago, we called them mulberries. Oh, I don't know what they call them here. Black, what are they? Blackberries. Blackberries. Yes. Huge. Like Joshua and Caleb size blackberries <laughs> this morning, which is awesome. So that was my micro joy from the promised land from Bourbon, Missouri. Ooh, blackberries and bourbon. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry, that's the church split podcast. We'll go on. So what we want to do is have an open mic minute. And here's the open mic. We have a pink microphone, y'all. Well, technically, yeah. It's about the only thing pink that I do own is the microphone. But there's black on it, so it, it's good. Yes. Okay, so who would love to come tell us a micro joy that you have? I found chocolate-covered espresso beans yesterday on our way up here, and it made me so happy. Of course you're the first one, because you, like, probably had some this morning, and you're like, let me tell you about my espresso beans. Okay, somebody else. Microjoy minute. Microjoy. My microjoy is the Ford Freedom podcast session. It was really helpful to me, so I really appreciate that. Awesome. That's nice. cool. That's a microjoy that I think is going to turn into a macrojoy. <laughs> Follow me there? Yeah. yeah you're the yeah. only one that laughs, so I guess we're the weird ones. <laughs> Anybody else? Micro Joy? I know this will sound sappy, but it's true. I got to meet Lois and Emily in person. Yay! We get to meet you! <laughs> Thank you, Amber. Anybody else? Yes, come. Person that I ran into in the bathroom accidentally. I'm sorry about that. Are you scarred? Okay. <laughs> Uh, this this is kind of a big joy for me, but I was uh, in Missouri and stopped at a fair and ran into someone from the RFP, so that was awesome. That's cool. <laughs> so fun. We are everywhere. <laughs> Anybody else? Micro Joy? Okay, y'all. Going once? Um, any guys? Guys, it's not is... just for ladies. But but okay, can I can I give a caveat here? Yeah. And I love Nathan, Brian, and. And what's the other guy's name? JC. I love, I love the guys, but they they presented it as a four women only podcast when they we first did. came out. They pitched it that way. But let me tell you, there's a couple of guys that broke through the ice, and I'm just going to shout out to John and James because they jumped in, had us on their podcast, 
even though their very first question to us for the women in theology question was, <laughs> why are not more women interested in theology? I said, let's rephrase that question. Yes, I did just go there. We love you guys. Anybody else, microjoy? No? Guys, guys do not, guys have microjoys? No? It's a man thing. Oh, I know what you guys, you're all just preparing. Oh, John's on it, John's on it. John, you're my favorite. Microjoy. Okay, so whenever I got here last night, we got back to the room about 12 o'clock. I was opening my bag up and had three little notes from all three of my kids that secretly put little notes in it. So it made me laugh. And that's the best. I love it. That's, so, awesome. that's, a, that's a pretty cool micro joint. I love that, kids. Okay, so without further ado, um, we've been talking about this for a while. If you've guys seen it in the RFP or if you've seen our Instagram page, hint, hint, hint or even follow us on Twitter, another hint, um, or on our Facebook page. Um, we've been talking about uh, dad jokes, and if you've ever listened to the RFP, I don't know why she started this, but Emily started telling dad jokes. You act like it's a bad thing. It, well, sometimes it is. <laughs> Just gonna say. Where did this attitude come from? Like, you've been My so mother. <laughs> You've been so excited about dad jokes. I am. Until this week's episode that aired today, and you're throwing shade at my dad jokes. Well, yeah. your last one was pretty shady, so. <laughs> See what I did there? See what I did there? I'm going to get Brian on that one. Yeah, okay. So, we've been putting it out there that we were going to have a, a dad face-off. Dad, dad joke face off. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the man who did not know what we were doing today, even though he's responded multiple times and said, I'm always ready. Ryan Edwards, ladies and gentlemen. So, Brian. So, Emily, will you explain? Oh. The Will you explain what's going on? I guess I need to take my Bible off because that would kind of be sacrilegious to do both at the same time. <laughs> everything, 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 everything is sacred, Lois. Huh? Everything is sacred. This is right. We don't have sacred and secular everything. Okay. I feel like we need to go, uh, I feel like we need to have like in the background, like. <laughs> I agree. Oh, we can, fix, we can fit that in there. <laughs> do you need to kick the dust off your boots? Oh no, this is this is easy. Okay, so Alright. So here's the thing though, we need a judge. We need a judge. JC. So I'm gonna pull up JC Groves. If Nathan's a judge, we'll both have to win. By the way, I've job. already made you laugh once and I didn't. <laughs> I know. This is my macro toy. Right now. Okay, so the rules are I tell a joke, he tells a joke, we go back and forth. If you laugh, the other person gets a point. If you laugh at your own joke, the other person gets a point. But the audience can laugh all they want to. The you was pointed at Emily and Brian. He's going to call them. He needs you to keep track of the points, too. I, I got it. I don't think I can multitask. Can do this. Okay, who's going first? 
Well, first of all, I have to, under, I have to know if you even understand what makes a dad joke a dad joke. It's corny, not funny. And no, but it makes people laugh anyway. No, it's not a dad joke until it's a parent. <laughs> so if you're gonna do if you're gonna do a dad joke face off, then you have to know what a dad joke is. Yeah. This is gonna be so easy. I I have a bunch of jokes about unemployment, but none of them work. So, this captain of a ship was, he was obsessed with finding deserted islands. So they'd been sailing on the ocean for months. And finally one day he heard from the crow's nest, deserted island ahead. So they were so excited, so they came up to the beach. And when the ship washed up on the beach, this man with a long beard and raggedy clothes came running down the beach screaming so excited. The captain said, I thought this was a deserted island. He said, it is. I'm the only one here. I'm the only one that's ever been here. He said, well then, why are there three huts? And the man said, well, that's easy to explain. He said, the first hut's where I live. The third hut, that's where I go to church. And the captain said, well, what about the second hut? He said, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> She said, what a shame. I can't find a husband and you have him to burn. 
He knew hard things. You lost. <laughs> Wait, it, was, it was the setup that hurts. <laughs> yeah. So what are we talking about? Oh my goodness. I don't even know how to follow up the dad joke thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So actually, we're going to talk about a dad today. Dad some relationship. So maybe maybe that's the way we go. Our segue. Yeah. Our segue. Guys, we love talking about the character of God. And the reason that's so important is everything that we do and how we relate to him flows from who we believe he is. If we believe that he is distant, harsh, to be feared primarily, your relationship with God is going to reflect that. And it's going to be limited, yeah. and it's going to be in a box over here instead of as big and broad and as much and abundant as God wants it for right. you. So when we talked about um, Elroy, the guy who sees, and Hagar's story, we really wanted to focus on the names of God on the RFWP. And the next one that we're going to talk about is Jaira. Mm -hmm. And we're going to start just by reading it. Um, yeah. Go straight to the Bible and the story of Abraham and Isaac and where this name comes about in Genesis 22. Yeah, and the cool thing is um, this story is read um, in the Jewish culture, for those that are Orthodox Jew, is read every Jewish New Year, every Rosh Hashanah. Did I say that right? Y'all thought I was speaking in tongues, didn't you? It's read every year. It's called the Binding. And I'm not sure if it's pronounced, some of you Greek and Hebrew guys can tell me, or girls can tell me, um, Akeda or Akeda is what is, is called the binding. Because, you know, literally Abraham was asked to bind his son. So um, I don't know if you've got your Bible with you and, or your app or whatever, or if you just want to listen. But I'm reading uh, Genesis 22 out of the um, ESV. So Genesis 22, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Now, I just would love to hear how many of you either, either taught a Bible study or have done a sermon on this passage, have preached a sermon on this passage. Anybody? Awesome. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young man, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. Now, why did he have fire? Because a whole sacrifice was a burnt offering. It wasn't just the death of Isaac. It was then the complete sacrifice, which, as you know, is a foreshadowing of the gift of the Lamb of God coming later. Girl, you're already preaching. Well, you know, kind of in my blood. All right. So, and then Abraham said, I'm in verse 6, 
And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on his son Isaac, and took it in his hand. The fire and the knife, so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Can we stop right there a second? Like, okay, I don't know exactly the age of Isaac, but I know that he had to at least be in his teens at this point. And he's going with his dad, and then he says, Where? Wait, where's the sacrifice? Yeah. Um, and then the next statement is, if I can find my place. Verse Anybody eight. have their Bible eight. open? Am I verse 8? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. God will provide. That is... When God's name, Abraham, that's the first time he mentions God will provide. And then later in the, in the chapter, he says the Lord will provide. We'll call this place Jehovah Jireh. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to keep reading. I think we know the rest of the story. Read so verse, read verse um, 13 and 14. Verses 13 and 14. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. Wait, let's back up to 12. He said, <laughs> um, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Fear not in I'm afraid, which has been a narrative that's been taught for years in legalistic environments. That you're so afraid of God, you're, you're expecting, I don't know if it was this way for anybody else, but growing up I was expecting him to hit me in the head every time I made a mistake. That he was always mad at me. If I messed up and just the shame and the guilt that piles on after that, he said that that fear is is more of an awe. And um, I heard Tim Keller mention this the other day. He worded it so beautifully, and I, I can't repeat it, but it's just it's just a completely different concept. He says, "Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, for me." Did you get it? Yeah. Oh, it was a wasp. That's not cool. Um, so Abraham, whoop, let me back up. Now I got all um, squirrel. Okay. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Mm. Wow. And then just thinking about too, that's where, that's Calvary where God will provide. There's so much there. So the word Jira being provision, I think sometimes we think God will provide for us. But God provided himself. And so he's what is enough. Right. It's not what he will provide is enough. and he, cause, But he will because he's a good father. What he provides will be enough. But he is enough. And we like to, we don't like to wrap things up in a bow, you know, on the RFWP. Because there's a lot of trite thing. I don't know, trite. 
Choice not the right word, but not this everybody's story thing. is wrapped up yet in right. a boat. Not everybody's story is complete. They're still healing. They're still walking. They're still right. moving forward. And so when you say Jesus is enough, what does that actually mean? <laughs> so practically, what does it mean that God is enough for you? Um, so years ago, I would have just given you the whole Sunday school story. You know, the whole Sunday school answer, you know, mm-hmm. well, God just does everything like he's everything to me. And, you know, the other day, just, I would just rattle off this stuff. At this point in my life, as I am just learning more and more about who he truly is, I would have to sit back and go, man, I need a minute. Because, like, how do you adequately describe that he is enough. How do you adequately describe that in your situation? Mm-hmm. I think everybody's been through different things, right? And so if there are different points in our lives where we realize in that moment, man, God really proved that he is enough. But do we walk in that daily? Right. So I would say for me, it's still a journey of walking in that daily of him, not him being enough because he is enough. He is who he is my realizing that he is enough mm-hmm. and my taking my fist and opening it up and saying, okay, I'm letting go. You're enough. Here we go. Right. Because that's a trust, major trust. Mm-hmm. Yep. When we are um, trying to control the outcome, uh, I think we do this a lot, even in fearing God where, and I know J.D. Greer has talked about this, but where we we obey God because of the outcome. And mm-hmm. in legalism, it's we're, we're still far away from a surrender um, because we're trying to control him by following the rules and keep him off our back. In because that's how you get approved of, right? That's right. Where your approval comes from. So you're trying if to you earn show it. up for every service, if you wear the right clothes, if you say the right things, if you sacrifice everything for whatever is considered you know the mm-hmm. church right that's where your approval comes from does anybody does that connect with anybody you know and we've heard the guy say for forever and i love this statement you know we're not working we're not serving we're not doing things for approval we love him we're serving him we're walking and want to obey him because he's already approved of us we're not trying to perform mm-hmm. we're we're moving from a place of acceptance right so i love that, that you said something about um taking a minute with that answer because it's not just like oh he's enough how is he providing it enough and it's not a striving like oh yeah i'm accepted it's an everyday preaching the gospel over yourself over and mm-hmm. over and over again Get people around you that will preach the gospel to you and over you and remind you of grace um, and sitting in that. So if you, I'll just go back to it over and over again. And I think I've said it a ton of times, but I want to repeat it. Taking that time to be still, taking that time to sit down and let your heart be in awe of who God is and making that space and that margin. Not that we are seeking an experience with him but that we are spending time with him and letting him change our hearts. 
You know, you just mentioned the word experience, and I probably won't quote this correctly, but I heard a quote not too long ago. Well, I say not too long ago, <laughs> probably 10 years ago. Um, you know, the other day. <laughs> and um, basically, we are not... Um, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings walking a human, a human experience. That's so good. But because of God's grace, because you know we've been saved and we have accepted Him, and we're allowing Him to sanctify our lives by the Holy Spirit, then then we're spiritual beings walking that. Mm-hmm. Walking that human experience, but back to the back to the trust thing. Yeah, how many of you struggle with trust? Like honestly, because once trust has been broken, or once trust has been like John and James and Brian said earlier, once things have been manipulated, then you're in a position. I don't know who to trust. Who do I trust? I thought this was truth. Wait, maybe this isn't truth. Maybe this is truth. And we had a conversation with somebody at lunch about deconstructing our faith. And, and deconstructing gets a bad rap. And we talked about this on our podcast. But when it's done in a way of trying to take off all the accidental Pharisee stuff mm-hmm. and just see God for who God is and not anything added, right. that's a healthy way to, to do that. But the trust factor comes here Abraham trusts God. You know, and we even hear in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said. So you've got the writer of Hebrews, which I know everybody's still arguing about who wrote it. So I'm just going to say the writer of Hebrews. Um, who do you think wrote Hebrews? Paul. Verse. I need my reading glasses. Brian, can I borrow yours? Um, verse 18. Verse 18. Of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did. Receive him back. So I look at that, and Abraham wasn't just like all of a sudden one day God says, Hey, the son that I promised you, I, I promised you we're going to be the father of nations. Mm-hmm. I, I need you to take that dude, I need you to go up, and I need you to sacrifice him. Yeah. And we don't know what Abraham's feelings were completely. I mean, Scripture does not give us, you know, that Abraham was struggling, that he was sitting in his tent going, God, you really want me to do this? Like we do with Jesus in the garden. He's saying, let this cup pass for me. But if not, let your will be done. Mm-hmm. We don't know really about that struggling. Right. We do know that he is quoted in Hebrews about his faith. Mm-hmm. Well, where did that faith come from? Because we, we all have faith, right? But where, where does that faith come from? Faith and trust go hand in hand. Why could Abraham trust God in that moment that he was going to provide? Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't just 
It wasn't that easy thing, but he believed that promise. So his, his faith had something to believe in. Okay, and so back up. What, tell me again the promise. The promise was that Abraham, that Isaac would be the is the promised seed that would be, uh, you know, so many children as the stars in the sky and the sand on the shores. And so Abraham had that promise. Yeah, to, go, to be the father of the nations. Yeah, to trust God. So it wasn't it wasn't like we hear uh, faith weaponized. Well, you just need to have a little more faith. <laughs> or you need to trust God. It wasn't. Well, you um, know why that's not happening? It's because you just, exactly. just not trusting God enough. Mm-hmm. You know why your family's eating peanut butter and jelly while you're on deputation. You're just not trusting God enough. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I went there. Because we don't take good enough care of our missionaries. Okay, I'm just going to say <laughs> that's a side note. Tons of missionaries in my family. I'm, I'm, my mom is the oldest of ten. A lot of them were missionaries in other countries, Transworld Radio and so many others. And and our church would boast that we had 500 missionaries. I know this is totally a side thing. But if you're a missionary or you grew up a missionary, somebody told you, well, the reason that this happened is because you just didn't have enough faith for God to keep you on the... Man, I hope that narrative has been blown wide open in your life and you know that that is not true. And that your kids or whomever has healed from that. But I was talking to one of my aunts who was a missionary in England. And I said, well, you know, our church, our church has 500 missionaries. I'm a kid. I, you know, I didn't know. <laughs> 500 missionaries. Um, and, she, and I said, and, and you're one of those. She goes, yeah, for $15 a month. So... Are we really providing? Well, that's not who our God is, right? Sorry, I totally got on a rabbit trail. Oh, but tangent. Yeah. So but just the, the providing and the trust and who he is. Can you talk about the other meaning of, of Jireh? So another way to word that is the God who will see to it. Yeah. And it's so closely tied to Hagar saying, God, you are the one who sees me. God will see it through too. It's not he being seen and known is so healing and powerful. But he will also see it through. And right. that's where he provides and comes through on it. Right. And and so one of the one of the commentaries that I read talks about that 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 Abraham didn't just trust God in the moment that he would provide, but he was able to trust God from what he knew of God's nature. What he knew of God's character, and because he knew God's character and knew God's nature, was a provider, was the God who sees. Then he knew, God's already promised me that we will have a nation through my children. And so even if I step in and I do this and I have to let my son go. Mm-hmm. God's going to raise him up because he promised me. So he will see to it. He doesn't go back on who he is. And I think one of the things that we we miss, because I, I heard somebody recently in the RFP, in the uh, FAM Facebook page, struggling with understanding what it means to really love God and for God to really love them. And I get that, y'all. I grew up with thinking God had a hammer in his hand and he was authoritarian. And it wasn't until I was in my mid-30s that I was just like, man, you love me? 
like you really love me. Every little piece of you. Every bit of me. You love the good, the bad, the ugly. You know what I've done. You know what I'm going to do. And you love me mm -hmm. unconditionally. And I don't ever want to get over that. No. And so my, my prayer for you is that in those moments where you're like, you're, you, wait, you're asking me to trust God. And, and we can say very quickly and very easily, oh, I trust God. You know, I trust God. And then there's this internal conversation we're still trying to figure out and fix whatever it is that we're trusting him about. Um, we're still hanging on. And it's just like when we, the song that I love, even when I can't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. He never stops working. And if we can, and I know I'm using Christianese and stuff when I say, but if we can sit in that, like you and I say a lot, this is so good. If we can sit in that and just be still and go, it's not my striving, it's not my pushing. Man, if I just had the faith of Abraham. You guys, Abraham's faith came from the fact that even when the craziness of the request was there, he knew God's character. He knew who God was. So even when we're not feeling like we have the faith or the trust to move forward, we can trust in who he is. God, I know you're good. This doesn't feel good right now. In fact, this, this sucks. But I know you're good, so I know you are going to see That's me right. through this. Yep. That's where he becomes Jehovah Jireh. Yes. Uh, there's a Tony Evans quote. Satan lied and told Eve, God is holding out on you. It's the biggest lie he tries to tell God's people. So I think for me, there are a couple things I can think of that I haven't, that I'm like, oh, maybe. Okay, can I? Okay. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's because I'm not sure that, like, what God's plans are better than mine. Are they? Really? Do I believe that? Because if I believe that, God got it. I'll give it up. I will stop this, and I will wait for whatever promise else you have. Um, letting that go. And since we're already on trust, if God doesn't feel trustworthy, mm -hmm. because Christians or someone representing God, or it feels like God let you down, mm -hmm. you are not alone. Mm -hmm. Learning how to trust again, it's okay to say, are you sure you got this, God? Because it doesn't, I don't, I don't feel like you got it. And he is trustworthy. And we can start testing that. Yeah. Those little, okay, you got it. And letting go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because there's been, and one of our, um, you know, one of the things that we say a lot on the podcast is, is this is another untwisting of the narrative there's been a narrative that's been perpetuated in a lot of our lives over the years, whether you've been, whether you're, whether you're still in a legalistic environment or you've been out of a legalistic environment for years, or if you traded one form of legalism to another form of legalism, um, we have to be in the word for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, and the guy said that earlier, like, when we're in the word for ourselves, when we're reading God's word, when we're just sitting, I don't know, maybe you're at a point like I was several years ago where I felt so betrayed in the church. There was such heavy church hurt 
that like, I didn't want to open up my Bible. Well, I'm not allowed to not open up my Bible. I was one of the pastor's wives. I was a Bible study leader. I was, you know, I didn't want to open up my Bible. Because the person that I was looking to within the church, who was the leader, rise and fall on Mars Hill much, the leader, some of you will get that, hurt, betrayed. And so what do we do? We take our eyes off God and we put our eyes on a leader that seems to be getting it right and we start following their approval and what they think instead of God. Mm -hmm. So I connected those two, unfortunately, and I didn't want to read my Bible. God knows that. Was he angry with me? No, he wasn't. (laughs) I appreciate you saying that because I think the more you say it, I'm not saying don't go read your Bible. But if, if there's, like, you had another season where you could only read Psalm 139. Yeah, that was like, it. that was the back-to-back. Like, I couldn't open up my Bible. And then when I was finally able to open up my Bible, the only thing I could read was Psalm 139. And you want to talk about Psalm 139 and the fact that there's 78 personal pronouns in there. And, the, oh, so many. And that the word known means yauda, means in, the most intimate knowledge. We can talk all day long. But mm-hmm. that's when the Lord brought me back to I am trustworthy. And it's, I think part of the reason the Bible gets so hard to read sometimes is because we have that condemnation lens on. Absolutely. And every time you turn the page, you're like, oh, awful. Which we, we're not. We are I sinners. I am a worm. Right? Isn't that the KJV word for it? Which we are. But because of what he's done and his sacrifice. But it's not a guilt he trip. He makes us. Right. Yes. So every page feels like a guilt trip. And having to untwist that narrative and intentionally put on a new lens. Mm -hmm. Put on grace when you're reading the Bible because it is all the gospel. Yeah. And it's not not watering it down. Yeah, the gospel is not just, I mean, the gospel is the good news, right? But it's not just for salvation. It's The gospel is for every aspect of our lives. The gospel is for our choice in our spouse. The gospel is for when I'm a single mom trying to raise kids by myself and God is shining his light through me. The gospel is, the gospel is everything. And I, so many people miss that, but I have to, I have to read this passage because you said the condemnation word. Guys, I will tell you this and you probably already know this, but I just have to tell you one more time. When you're in the middle of a situation. When there is something on your heart, when you are burdened, if you feel like there is no way out, that is not conviction of the Holy Spirit. That is not because the way of escape, he will make a way of escape. If you're feeling like there's no way out, if you're feeling like, oh, and you feel this heavy shame and all of this, understand that there's. There's healthy sorrow in our sin, but I'm talking about shame. And shame is from the enemy. Shame is not from Christ. Shame came on when when the serpent came to the garden. And we don't have time to go all the way back there. But the condemnation, that is the enemy totally. When you don't feel, when there's not that remembrance of who God is in your life, that's the enemy. And I'm telling you, unfortunately, we hear a lot of that from the pulpit. We'll read Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And what do we focus on? Or what have we heard focused on? See there, it's not worth. 
It's not works. It's grace. See, the Catholics are wrong. Wait, where did we just skip over the grace part and what all that means to me? Okay, so, sorry, I'm getting on yeah. a tangent. Romans 12, 1 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's what Abraham was doing in this moment. Mm-hmm. It was spiritual worship, his sacrifice. His obedience to the Father because he knew the Father's character, not because he was afraid that if he didn't do it, God was going to smite him. Mm-hmm. Right. He followed him because of God's character. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Uh that sounds like a tall order. Living sacrifice. As a, uh, I remember as a teenager and thinking about faith and trusting God, and I was like, oh. It was like this big, giant thing. Well, because it's intangible. And our, Do you know the song? I like tangible. Faith? Oh, my gosh. The old Southern no, yes, gospel song? Yes. Okay. So I remember hearing that living song. Living by faith. In, I'm living by faith. In Jesus alone. In Jesus alone. Trusting, confide. Trusting, confiding in his great love. Yes, I sat under Lester Roloff many times. <laughs> From all harm's sake. Yes. In his sheltering arms. I'm living by faith. And I feel no alarm. So what happened was... It got twisted. I heard it and I went, oh, this is a happy song. <laughs> like trusting God is a, is like, it can be exciting. It's not like a drudgery. Like if I trust God, all hell's going to... I don't know why I use that word. But you can all say like, that. It's true. All hell's going to break, break loose. loose. And it's going to be like this spiritual battle. And it's going to be horrible because I've stepped out there and I'm trusting God with this. And... Instead of, like, you hear missionary stories. And not that God doesn't... We love the missionaries. We're not picking them just because we've mentioned it twice. <laughs> we have mentioned it twice. Um, but you hear stories of missionaries that would trust God. And they were supposed to be encouraging stories of how people got through. But in my brain, it translated, if you trust God, life's going to be hard. Mm. And that's, that's so So where wrong. does living life abundantly come from? Then if everything, I mean, obviously life's not easy, but, you know, there's joy. Did anybody, like, learn about joy other than the Jesus and others and you song? Like, (laughs) were you, was joy something that was like, you can have joy in Jesus and it it doesn't just mean the Sunday morning mask that you wear when you walk in. Amen. You know, there's a true joy there in trusting him. Doesn't always feel good. Trust me. It doesn't feel good. Trust me, I know. (laughs) Right, so I'm not saying it's easy, but it doesn't have to be like this thing. Because he will always provide. Mm -hmm. He will always provide. And sometimes we have to speak the gospel over ourselves. And when we're in the moment where we have no idea whether or not we feel like he's going to provide, we have to say, God, I know you're good. I know you're going to provide. I don't know what this is going to look like when we're done, but I know you're good. I know you're going to provide. Some of you know that just in the last two weeks, our lives got turned upside down once again. 
like the last three and a half years wasn't enough. And I got a phone call from our oldest son, Micah. He and my daughter-in-law, Haley, live in Nashville, and they're part of a multi-ethnic church plant there. And they have uh, 28 weeks into pregnancy. And he's like, hey, we just went to the doctor, and um, they're sending us to Vandy, University of Vanderbilt Hospitals there. Um, I'm like, okay. He said, well, Haley's blood pressure is really high, and without going into all the things, this was Thursday. Haley's mom started driving up from where they live within a few hours. I caught a plane the next morning. By Saturday evening, Haley had an emergency C-section because her preeclampsia, her eclampsia, had gotten to the point where it was dangerous for she and the baby. And in that moment, you know, after you get away from the numbness and you're sitting there and you're like, I know that my kids want kids so badly. I don't want you to take her. You know, I don't want you to take this new, beautiful, little life, Marlo. I certainly don't want to lose Haley. But in that moment, sure didn't feel like it. And I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying like I have all the answers because I have tons more questions than I do answers. But in that moment, I did have a peace. And I know it's because a lot of people were praying specifically for peace of mind. But I had peace that you've got this. I can't say that about every experience that I've walked through. You know, when Bobby and I got fired from the church yeah. by the, the person that I'm pretty sure that Chuck DeGroote, when he wrote When Narcissism Comes to Church, used him as an example. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I wasn't like, oh, God, I know you've got this. I was like, what in the is going on, <laughs> you know? So when you were saying it's a gospel, mm-hmm. the, fir- the first piece of the gospel is that it's not on us. We right. are not enough. It's not our job to do it. It's not our job to complete it. And that's, that's the beauty and the power in it is when we say, God, you are enough. It's not, okay, I made it so far now. Can you take over? Because <laughs> I only got to here. Can you get me all the way the rest of the right. way? Right here, let me pass the baton because you are the fourth man right. in this relay. Can you relay. finish this, what I started? <laughs> no, he started it. And he finishes it. Yeah. Which is why we can trust him. Is the, it, we are not it. <laughs> he's it. And he's, uh, we are not enough, which is the gospel. So he will do it. And he has provided a way. And we believe that. And we trust that. And I know. How many of you would just be really honest and you know I, I probably asked this earlier but now that we're this far into the episode like let's say within the the last five years your your trust for someone or for an institution or for whatever has been busted wide open yeah so where do we go from there is it hard to trust absolutely Um, When Bobby and I were going through some marital issues early on within the first five, six years of marriage, our our counselor sat across me and and said, I know you guys are struggling with trust. It is not something, and I'll never forget this, it is not something that you can will yourself to do again. Mm. It takes time. So what do we do in the meantime? 
we have to remember that God is who he says he is, that he is Jehovah Jireh, that he is Hagar. We did that episode. Like she's the first one who gave God a name in scripture. El Roy, the God who sees. You see me. You see me. And sometimes I think we feel very unseen by the Father because we like, do you know what's going on? Do you know what we're walking through? Do you know the questions that I have? So I think in the middle of that, um, we just have to be reminded of what we know is true in Scripture. And the only way that we're going to know what's true in Scripture if we if we allow his words to speak to us and we say, hey, I've been listening to your scripture for 20 years, but it got twisted in a lot of ways. And I, I want to be able to trust you. I want to be able to trust the Father for who you are. So I think a lot of our, our, our struggle with loving him and understanding how much he loves us is because we don't really know who he is. The narrative of who he is has been spoken in a condemning way or whatever. Anybody with me on that? Like, you get that. And, um, but Abraham didn't just up and one day trust him. He clung to the promise that God was going to follow through on who he was. So back, running back to the gospel real quick. Yeah. Finish that thought. The song... Jaira by Maverick City. It says, "You're. I'm already loved. I'm already chosen." Wait, back up. <laughs> Please say that again. I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. Mm-hmm. And that means you're not working for it. Yep. You're not earning it. It's not on your shoulders. Please let that weight just like go. Drop it like a hot rock. Because he says he's already declared that over us. Zebaniah and three seventeen. And what you have declared over us is enough. Yeah. And we can believe that. That is the promise that you can believe and you can hold when you go. Crap! I don't. I don't really want to let this one go. Mm-hmm. That was. That's practical. I think it is. That you're not earning it. Right. Right. Revelations 5, 6, y'all. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. Your faith works through love. Mm -hmm. And I know we say, we're talking about the love of God over and over and over again. But when we put that into perspective, that's what motivates us to believe. It's because you know you are so loved. It's back to that security when you know how secure and held you are that you can trust in. Right. And I love Galatians 5, 6. So I've already alluded to some of this article, but I found this article when I was looking. A superficial reading of the story of the binding, the passage of Abraham and Isaac, may leave the reader with an ugly sense that God led Abraham on an emotional wild goose chase. Abraham went to an undisclosed location to sacrifice his son, only to have God stop him at the last moment. Then Abraham saw a ram caught in the thorny bushes, sacrificed it, and called the place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. Why would God treat them like this? Why would he say, hey, go sacrifice your son? Oh, psych. Just kidding. But that interpretation reveals more about the reader than it does about the text or God himself. 
How many of us have sat and heard that passage of Scripture and understood it differently because of how it was being portrayed or how we received it? That says more about the reader than it does about who God is. One of the crucial details missing in that reading is the trust displayed by both Abraham and Isaac. Scripture doesn't tell many details about the private thoughts and feelings of Abraham or Isaac in this story. And I already read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19. We are told that Abraham knew God's character and power enough to trust that if God took Isaac at that moment, because of all of God's other promises about Isaac, Abraham knew God would fulfill his word, even if he had to raise Isaac from the dead. Abraham was doing this difficult task with assurance in his heart that God would provide. Mm -hmm. I think when we think of provision, we we think of financial provision and other other things. Physical. Yeah. When Abraham calls God Jehovah Jireh, he isn't just saying God gives the goods. He is saying, you see, experience all this need of mine, and you're going to make provision for it. Mm -hmm. And that's, as the article says, deeply personal. What you do is your responsibility. So when you say rest in Christ, or it's like, what does that actually mean? What you do is your responsibility. Your why is your responsibility. But the how is God's. So it's your job to essentially to bring your basket, to bring your five loaves and your two fishes, and recognize that you do have a contribution. You know, it's not like He's going to use you and just move through you without you being willing. Bring in your basket. Bring those five loaves and two fishes and let God work and let God do it. And surrender those. You might say, God, this is so little or this little thing. Really, I, have, I need to release this too. Mm-hmm. Bring that five loaves and two fishes. That's your responsibility. And God's responsibility is the how he does it and how he works and what he does with that five loaves and two fishes. And then you can see he's trustworthy yeah. by how he multiplies it and uses it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As always, you can reach out to Lois and Emily at hello at sisterseeker.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean the world to us if you would consider supporting the RFWP. You can go to patreon.com slash sisterseeker. Another way to show your support is by leaving us a review. This helps get this cause and this message to more women like you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here, friend.